Hello, this is Rabbi Rob Doberson, and welcome to this edition of Wrestling and Dreaming. Our fall holidays come to a conclusion this coming Tuesday evening and Wednesday with the celebration of Simchat Torah, one of the happiest holidays in our tradition. It's the day on which we conclude and then begin again the reading of the Torah. It's a day of celebration with hakafot, processions with the Torah scrolls around the sanctuary, and the celebration of our love of Torah. During the course of the Simchat Torah service, we read a section of the Torah which we do not read at any other time of the year. The Torah is divided into 54 parshiot, which we like to think of as weekly Torah portions, although because there are less than 54 Shabbatot in the year, some have to be combined, and we read two on a given Shabbat morning, but in general, we talk about these as being weekly portions. But there's one parsha, one weekly portion, which is never read on a Shabbat morning, only read on Simchat Torah. And that is the portion known as Vezotah Bracha, the final portion in the Torah. During the Simchat Torah service, we conclude the reading of the Torah from one scroll and then take another scroll and read the beginning, the story of creation. It's interesting that to think about which of these readings are more eagerly anticipated. On the one hand, we should eagerly anticipate the reading from Vezot Bracha because that's our only chance to hear it over the course of the year, when, in fact, on the Shabbat following Simchat Torah, we'll go back and read once again from Parshat Breshit. But the truth is, I think it's fair to say that for most people, the reading from the beginning of the Torah is more eagerly anticipated. Why? Well, first of all, because it's a familiar story, this legendary story of creation from the book of Genesis. Secondly, we've just started a new year where we're talking about all the promise and the optimism we have for the year to come. So it's more likely that we're, we're going to concentrate on the beginning rather than the end, on the future rather than the past. And the truth is that in general, people do like beginnings more than they like endings. It's human nature. But it's unfortunate in this particular case because the reading from the end of the Torah is fascinating. Vizotar Bracha contains, first of all, a blessing and I use those word, that word in quotation marks because it's not always apparently that positive a blessing, but the blessing given by Moses to each of the tribes in some way foretelling their future. It's an interesting section, but I'm mostly interested in what follows, and that's the story of the end, at the end of the Torah, the story of the death of Moses. It is a beautiful story. And again, it's often lost in the confusion of Simchat Torah morning with all of the celebration and certainly our focus on the new beginnings offered by Breshit. But I want to share with you one aspect of that story of the death of Moses, which I find not only very meaningful, but very instructive for us in our lives. To set the scene, Moses had sinned by hitting the rock to produce water when God told Moses to speak to the rock. Talked about that in a previous episode of the podcast. And Moses is not allowed to lead the people or to enter into the land of Canaan. 
But God does allow Moses to see the land. And according to the last chapter of the book of Deuteronomy, the last chapter in the Torah, Moses climbs up to the mountain and he looks over the land and sees this promised land that he has been leading the people to. It's a very poignant moment, a very sad moment, but a beautiful moment. And then Moses dies on the mountain. And then we read these words, Vayikbor Oto Begai, literally meaning he buried him in the valley. The him clearly is Moses. But who is the subject of the sentence? The quotation marks, he. Who was the subject of the sentence? He buried him by Bor Oto, Bagai. Rashi brings two explanations, both of which are very have a great foundation in Jewish tradition. And I'm going to give you the second one first. Rashi attributes it to Rabbi Yishmael, but you can read it in, in many, many different commentaries. That the word Oto, him, he buried him. It doesn't mean him in this particular case, but it means himself. And in various uh, teachings of this particular uh, interpretation, there are expl- there are examples given from the rest of the Torah where Oto can mean himself rather than him. So it could mean he buried himself. How is that possible? Well, in ancient times, we assumed that the burial took place in a cave, in a burial niche, So Moses, according to the tradition, climbs into a niche and he dies there, effectively burying himself. But there's another tradition, and Rashi mentions it very quickly, but you can find it in the Talmud in Masechet Sotah. And that tradition is that the he, at the beginning of the sentence, he buried him, refers to the Kadosh Baruch Hu, refers to the Holy One that God, in fact, buried Moses. Now, I want to look at this tradition because I think it is beautiful, and it is the way I prefer to read this verse. I think it is the Peshat. I think it's the intended meaning because there's no one else there on the mountain except Moses and the presence of God. And I think that it teaches us something so important. Of course, the first question is, how can God bury somebody? I'm going to leave that to your imagination. Different people would understand it in different ways, some more anthropomorphic than others. I'll leave it to you to decide. It, it doesn't really matter what you think or how you think about it. It just matters that we read this verse in some way as saying God buried Moses. Why is it important? According to the Sota, according to the Talmud, it expresses the fact that the Torah begins with an act of loving-kindness by God and ends with an act of loving-kindness by God. The Torah begins not right at the very beginning, but very close to the beginning with God performing the mitzvah of clothing the naked by providing fig leaves for Adam and Eve when they discover that they are naked and are ashamed. At the end of the Torah, then, God performs the act of gemilut chasadim of attending to the burial of the dead. Both of these are mitzvot, are commandments that are very important to us when we think about the idea of gemilut chasadim, of righteous acts in our lives. And in fact, in other texts we read, 
As God is compassionate, so should we be compassionate. As God is forgiving, so should we be forgiving. But that's not enough. Those are just adjectives. We need the verbs. So the text goes on as God clothes the naked, so must we clothe the naked. As God visits the sick, and the example given is the angels who come to Abraham as he's sitting outside of his tent, according to tradition and what we read just in the verse before, Abraham is recovering from his brit milah, from his circumcision, and therefore the, one of the functions of the angels is to, in fact, perform this mitzvah bikor cholim of visiting the sick. So as God visits the sick, so should we visit the sick, and as God attends to the need of the dead, so should we. This is an incredible statement that I want you to think about it in the book of Deuteronomy. Moses is God's loyal servant. And God does for Moses what God doesn't do for anyone else, which is, quote, metaphorically speaking, coming down from the heavens and in fact performing this mitzvah of burying the dead. This is an a beautiful statement. And it reminds us of the tradition that we have. In fact, one could say it's one of the sources for the tradition that we have. Anyone who has been to a Jewish burial service knows that the family, the, the mourners, the closest relatives, are called upon to participate in the burial of their loved one by shoveling dirt into the grave above the coffin and that then after that is done, all of those who are present are invited, asked, in some place encouraged to participate in the burial to the extent that they can. In some traditional situations, the entire burial is handled is by, by the, 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 the people who have gathered. In others, it's done more symbolically and concluded by some professional at the cemetery, but one way or the other, to participate in the burial of a loved one or a, a, a community member, a friend, whomever it might be, is considered an act of great kindness. In fact, based on a phrase that comes up earlier in the Torah, it's referred to as chesed shel emet, true righteousness. Why? Because the tradition is we can't be compensated, we can't be repaid for the act of kindness to another individual. I'll get back to that in a few moments. There are some, though, who view it not only as kindness to the deceased, but in fact, in fact as a form of tshuva, a form of repentance. Why? If we have hurt that individual in some way over the course of their life, if we have in some way made their lives sadder than it should have been, if we've harmed them in some way, we know we can't make up for that now. But we can perform this act of kindness. We can perform this act of service. We can perform this act of respect, of helping that individual return to the dust from which he or she came. And therefore, it's thought of that not only is this an act of kindness, but also an act of tshuva. It is an absolutely critical moment. We don't want to think about it very, very uh, often. It's often extraordinarily hard. But as a rabbi, I know we encouraged, can't force anybody to do it, but we encouraged 
very strongly people to perform this act. First of all, psychologically, it's very helpful in that it, 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 it helps avoid denial. It brings the reality of death home, but also because it is so much a part of our tradition to pay this final act of respect for an individual. And it's a tradition that we are compensated for because by this tradition continuing, we know that God forbid when our time comes after 120 years, as it says about Moses, that there will be those who will perform this act of respect and kindness for us as well, for each individual. It's a beautiful section of the Torah. It speaks about God's connection with Moses and this idea of performing acts of kindness, of gemilut chasadim, which are in so many ways the found foundation of our interpersonal relationships according to our tradition. And it's not just something that we attribute to human beings, but that we attribute to God as well. It's true. We like beginnings more than we like endings. That's human nature. It's the way it should be. But endings are critically important in Jewish tradition. And the ending of a life brings us the sad but treasured opportunity to show one final act of respect for those to whom we were closest. Until next time, thank you.